on my tent camping trip last week at North South Lake in New York State public campground, I woke up at one o'clock in the morning in my tent from a deep sleep to the sound of about six air mattresses being blown up one at a time by people who had just arrived in the next site. Oh. It was really, really loud. Um, See? Yeah. We just want to try to avoid that. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? And Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. This season, we are back with a brand new RV and brand new adventures. Join us now as we cover the best campgrounds, the best rigs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. I am so excited to have Kat Berta back on the show. She is the co-owner of the Brattleboro North KOA Journey in beautiful southern Vermont. It is somewhere that our family has camped at four or five times. The first time was like 10 years ago before uh, Kat and her husband even owned the campground. They took over ownership a few years back, and, and we've been back. It's really one of the most adorable KOAs in the country. It's in a great place in Vermont. We had Kat on last year to review her own campground, uh, which we've never done before. That was a really fun episode, so I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to hear like a detailed outline of everything that they offer at their campground. But for today's episode, I have her on because Kat was interviewed for a Reader's Digest article it went viral. It was all over the place. It kept popping up in my feeds. And that article was called, I've worked at a campsite for five years. These are the mistakes every camper should avoid. And it was by an author named Charlotte Hilton Anderson. And I read that article and I was like, I got to have Kat back on the show just to talk about these 15 common mistakes that campers make and how to avoid those mistakes. So this is a super fun show if you're an RV newbie or a tent camping newbie, you're new to the camping life and you want to find out like, you know, what are the mistakes that people are making as they head out to campgrounds as told to you by a campground owner. Uh, but also this will be fun for us veteran RVers or tent campers uh, just, just to go through all the little foibles that come along with the camping life. And I admit along the way, I've made some of these mistakes. I didn't admit to all of them that I've made, but I, I did admit to having made some of these. Uh, and some of them like are once a year, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, that's obvious that people make that mistake. But others I had never thought of before. But they're things that Kat has seen as a campground owner in Vermont. This is a terrific episode. I am beyond excited to be back in a second with Kat to talk about this. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, outdoor living, and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals, but their lineup of products doesn't end there. Campco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease-lift hitches and power-grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. There's a saying that if you 
own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two, and it's true. This spring, we are stocking up our brand new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head on over to CamcoOutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Camco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVAtlas10. That's CamcoOutdoors.com and use discount code RVAtlas10 for 10% off your entire order today. Hello, Cat Berta, and welcome back to the RV Atlas. We are both giggling right now like children because like it's been difficult getting us both to this microphone today. You've had stuff happening. I've had stuff happening. You have kids trying to take naps. I have kids needing rides home from school. But we are finally here. How are you? We're here. I am great. Thank you for having me. We, I love being on your podcast. It's always great getting to interact with you and your listeners. So thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, it's great to have you back. You were on about a year ago. And it was the first time we ever had a campground owner give a review of their own campground, uh, the Brattleboro North KOA, which I, I love and adore and I've talked about before. Before we dive into today's into today's topic, which is like a super fun topic about mistakes that every camper should avoid, 15 mistakes every camper should avoid, give us a quick update. Like it's it's mid-June-ish right now. Uh, how are things going for you at the Brattleboro North KOA journey? They are great. We are in full swing for the summer. We're happy to announce. We have a brand new accommodation, which we lovingly call the Chipmunk Hideout. It's a deluxe cabin with a patio. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's close to the pool. So if you have little ones, it's everything you, your heart could desire. And we have recently also renovated our game room, TV lounge, and laundry room. So we're super excited about all the changes that we've made this year. That is so cool. And we actually, before you were the owners of the campground, before you and Alan were the owners, we stayed at the, the campground and we had a, a rainy day, which we spent in that game room. Uh, now, when we talked last year, you know, we did mention that, you know, through the pandemic, things were so explosive and so busy and so crazy. Is it, is it still that way? Is it a tiny bit quieter? Is it, is it more busy? What's, what's the overall vibe at your campground? Yeah. So things have definitely chilled out a little bit, you know, obviously you know, peak season like July and Memorial Day, Columbus Day are still busy and can be difficult to get into. But we have seen reservations chill a little bit. So, you know, people that booked maybe a week or two ago for this past weekend could get in now where that maybe wasn't the case in 2021 and 2022. We're seeing a little bit of shifting back to, um, less people making reservations a year, year and a half out. Um, at least for us, we're seeing the availability of more spontaneity, which is quite nice. That is awesome. And I cannot recommend the campground enough to anybody traveling through New England. If you're road tripping up to Maine, there, there's so many different reasons to come to come visit CAD at the Brattleboro North KOA. We were in South, you're in Southern Vermont. It's a beautiful part of the state. Downtown Brattleboro is fun and funky. There's lots of hiking around. There's farm-to-table food. There's craft beer. You know, everything Vermont's known for. And if you're coming <laughs> like I am from like New Jersey or from the Mid-Atlantic or something like that, like it, it only takes me five hours. Like you're Southern Vermont, so for a lot of you out there, it's it might be a lot closer than you think, right? A hundred percent agree. We are literally three exits from the 
the Massachusetts borders and eight minutes from the New Hampshire border. So no matter what direction you're coming from, we're really not as far as you might think. All right. Now, this episode is totally based on an article that you did in collaboration with Reader's Digest. Uh, and the author was Charlotte Hilton Anderson. Now, this article kind of went like viral-ish. Like it showed up in my, in my like Apple news feed. And I was like, oh, it's Kat. You know, there she is again, <laughs> being a marketing genius. And And the title of the article is, I've worked at a campsite for five years. These are the mistakes every camper should avoid. And there's 15 mistakes that you see as a campground owner that you see people making like again and again and again. And um, I just I think it's so cool that this article kind of blew up because I feel like this is really the type of article that will help people camping this summer, have a, have a better time and also not violate some etiquette stuff and bother everybody else. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I'm a camper myself. I've been camping with my husband. We started in a tent. We moved to a motorhome. We're in a travel trailer now. So we've kind of done a little bit of everything. And on top of that, like the article itself says, you know, I'm an owner. So I see thousands of people go through my campgrounds every single summer. And there are some common mistakes that happen there. And you're not just a campground owner. Like, I, I'm sorry, you're like a rising star in the camping industry. You guys are both really young, really dynamic. Like, I feel like I'm trying to cultivate a good relationship with you because I'm probably going to like end up working for you someday. So I'm just trying to be like nice to you now on your like skyrocket to the top, basically. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's, it's totally not hyperbole. It's true. Okay, so let's get into these mistakes. And then for each one, you kind of offer like a solution or the right way to do it. So the first mistake has to do with not taking a shakedown trip. And this is great advice. Tell us what you mean. So a shakedown trip is always your first trip close to home. You don't want to be too far just in case if something breaks or if you forget something really important like your drill to put your stabilizers down or something like that. You want to be able to run home quickly. Or if you your RV breaks, you want to just be able to like, all right, well, let's just go home now. It's not that big of a deal to pack up and hit the road again. Um, so it's really important to help you understand what your needs are when you're camping. Everyone's a little bit different. Some people have to have their tiki torches. And some people really just like things simple, like they want to make sure that they have camping chairs and something to start a fire. So until you do that shakedown trip, you won't know what your needs are. And you won't know that your RV or your tent has everything that you need. You won't know what you don't know, right? Like, do you have people yeah. come to you guys like literally like they can't get their tent set up or like, they can't get like the most basic stuff. Like the people come in, like I can't get my stabilizer jacks down or I can't get my furnace on. I mean, do you, you guys get that? Right. Oh, all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the tent bag is still like zip tied together, like the little zippers. Um, and then you just see them out there, like attempting to put their tent together for an hour. And it definitely shouldn't take that long. Or uh, how many people that have just never used, hooked up their sewer or 
which plug do I plug my RV into? It's really fascinating how little people can know on their first trip. So just do it close to home. (laughs) And also, you know, though, at the end of the day, too, though, KOA is good for those people. You know, like as a brand, you guys are are welcome. The yellow shirts, you know, you guys are welcoming. And I think that it's probably built into who you are as a campground owner to like be helpful and not annoyed when somebody just needs the basics. Because if you go to a state park, you might not see a ranger anywhere. You know, I was at North South Lake in New York recently. I didn't see a single park ranger. So if you had an issue, you were on your own. But you guys are ready and willing to help. A hundred percent. And a lot of times our store will be stocked with the things that you need. I can't tell you how many people went from their RV dealer to our campground and they didn't have a long enough sewer hose or they didn't have a water hose to connect to city water. So we are always willing to help. And we actually encourage people to let us know at check-in if it's their maiden voyage so that we can spend a little bit more time with you. Do you give them like a little acorn button or something or some little like new, newbie I know, we identifier? Should do li- little scout patches. <laughs> that would be actually adorable. Okay. So take the shakedown trip. That's great advice. I love whether it's a tent or an RV, you know, and a lot of these are applicable to both worlds. So the, the second mistake that you see campers make a lot, you know, new campers, and I, sadly, I think a lot of veteran campers might do this too, is an etiquette type of thing in terms of um, mm. walking through occupied campsites. So do you see this a lot? Do people complain about it a lot? Like what's going on at your campground with this mistake? I will say that just because the past few years, there's been a huge surplus of campers uh, that are new to the world. You know, there isn't necessarily an camping university like YouTube that people can watch to learn all this stuff. So it's, we kind of have to take it upon ourselves as campers and myself as a campground owner to kind of help educate these new campers. And yes, unfortunately, even the veteran campers might do it every once in a while, but it's really important for people to remember that that's their rented space for whatever set of time. So if you see an RV or a tent, you just want to really respect that because you wouldn't want anyone walking through your yard. People complain. I mean, honestly, in the RV Atlas group on Facebook over the last 10 years, that is one of the things people complain about the most. And it's often about kids like, you know, racing through their campsites because people do look at that as their little slice of serenity. And, And I teach our kids not to do that. Um, sometimes I, I, I understand the impulse because you see that like your campsites, like the next row over, but you have to walk really far around mm-hmm. to get to it. So I like when campgrounds implement some walkways every now and then in between sites to kind of help ease that issue a bit. Yeah. With the bigger campgrounds, I could totally see how, um, that would be super helpful and, you know, input from campers, like maybe shoot a campground an email, be like, Hey, if. I'm in row F and I'm at the bathhouse, which is close to row A, it'd be really helpful to have a path. Sometimes because we aren't camping at our own campgrounds, it's hard to visualize that for the camper. So instead of putting that campground on blast, you know, just inform them. They really do appreciate that kind of input. Great point. That's a great point. I love that. And, and, you know, 
you're putting a small business owner on blast, right? If you can just let them know, hey, you know, you could implement this or put a walkway here, that that could be super, super helpful. And in general, again, great advice. Don't be walking through people's campsites and tell your kids not to be walking through people's campsites. It does get people annoyed. So -hmm. moving on to the third mistake that campers often make, and this has to do with leaving food or deodorant in your tent. Can you elaborate a little on what you've seen here and how you can avoid it? Yeah, well, as much as we have, like, we don't have too many animals that come through our campground. We do abut some beautiful woods here. And with that come bears, raccoons, all those fun little guys. And it's just super important to not tempt them. So, you know, if you have a bear bag available, especially if you're in bear country, you know, it's very important to pack your items accordingly because we all know if you're camping out west, we've seen those videos of grizzly bears breaking into people's cars. You don't want to be that person. And deodorant can be just as tempting, even though they take one bite and they might spit it out. Um, It smells delicious to them. So you just want to use your bear boxes, use your bear bags, and pack all your food accordingly, especially if you're in a tent. And your own safety is at risk. And then also that saying, a fed bear is a dead bear, comes into play because then the bear becomes normalized to human food and becomes unafraid of humans. And it can actually lead to people being killed. But even if it's not bears, just in general, you don't want the wildlife, you know, eating your Doritos, you know? Yeah, and Uh, they're just going to keep visiting you over and over again and dig through your stuff. So it's better to just keep everything away from them if you can. I'm taking like eight boys tent camping with two other dads next week, and it is my primary concern. Not that they'll be walking through campsites, not that they'll be rowdy late at night. My primary concern is that they're just carelessly be leaving food all over the place. So we're going to have to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's very good. The next uh, mistake that uh, campers often make that you see, this is the fourth mistake, is not to use plastic tent stakes. Mm. Elaborate, please. As a tenter, and I'm sure you can appreciate this tip as well, Jeremy, I have broken one too many tent stakes in my day. It's usually what comes standard with your tent bag. And, you know, your first couple camping trips, it might be okay, but one good whack and you lose the little connector that you tie your rope around or They just bend so easily, especially if you happen to be tenting where it's hot. So I just always recommend picking up a bag of metal tent stakes. It's always good to have extra because you're going to leave one behind. Um, Well, try not to, obviously, because we want to keep our parks clean. But, uh, you know, it's they're just so much more reliable, those metal tent stakes. And there's you can use them for a lot of other things. I couldn't agree more. And I would take it a step further. If they're plastic, you got to replace them. But even the really thin metal ones, I would tell people to replace those with the the thicker metal ones that are more like the size of a large nail. Like that's what Mm -hmm. that's what I've done over the years, because even those metal ones bend, you know, unless you're just putting it right right into a lawn. Yeah. Uh, If it looks like a straw, don't use it. Now, do you sell replace? Do you sell metal tent stakes in the camp store for people that break their plastic ones? A hundred percent. We sell them in packs as well as individual because sometimes you just need a couple. Um, but yeah, the 
pretty much for my camping store. If I have used it and like vetted it, it's in my camping store. <laughs> you have, and I'm not just saying this because you are on the podcast right now, you have very possibly the most adorable camp store I've ever been in. Okay. Oh, uh, I have to, you know, maybe there's others that are close. You, you have a lot of local goods. You have maple creamies for goodness sake. Um, <sighs> are you still rocking the maple creamies this summer? We are. And we actually have been able to find a local as in only 20 minutes away from the campgrounds um, manufacturer for a creamy mix now. And it's now organic as well. So we're really excited about this change. How Vermont of you. I know. Um, But listen, you're telling people, like, don't make this mistake with the plastic tent stakes. Uh, And some of the other ones we're going to talk about later also kind of tie into this. But yet it's an opportunity for you as a business owner, right? Like when people mess up, like, okay, here, I got the solution in the camp store, right? For sure. And, you know, we just... When you're on vacation, when I go camping, you know, I just really don't want to leave the campground once I'm like set up or trying to set up. It's just so much easier to just like walk into the camp store and find what you need. And I want to offer that opportunity to people. So if they can just walk into my camp store and buy that one tent stake that they broke or that pack because they left the baggie at home. Like if I can provide that service for them, I love it. It's another nice thing about like, if you're a newbie, it's another nice thing about camping with KOA or private campgrounds in general, because a lot of state parks and national parks don't have a camp store and they don't, they don't sell anything. And they do that quite intentionally because they do want to send you into the town and spend your money in the town. But at a private campground, obviously you're running a business. You, you want to have all those things. Um, so just know that if you're heading out this summer for, for your first time camping. Now, let's move to the fifth mistake, all right? Um, So this has to do with bugs, all right? So what is a common mistake you see campers make when it comes to bugs? Yeah, so not packing enough bug spray. It's one of my top selling items is bug spray in my store. You know, um, I am guilty of it. I have my tote from the summer before. It has everything that I had from the end of the season and I will whip it out and I'll go to use it, spray my daughter and then go to spray myself and it's run out. (laughs) So stocking up before you go is like, can be super important. But again, if you have a camp store, you could always pick it up with us. Now I went tent camping last week and I'm so used to being in my RV where Stephanie has bug spray stocked at all times i show up tent camping north south lake in new york state i step out of my truck and the mosquitoes like uh descended on me uh thank god my buddy phil was already there and he hands me like his 100 percent deet oh and he's like here you go you know use this so i spray myself and i'm not recommending 100 percent deet to anybody out there i'm not an expert <laughs> on how bad that is let me tell you i sprayed myself with 100 percent deet and the mosquitoes i could see them like leaving new york state like flying in the other direction um so that also ties into like having checklists too right just having checklists of yeah. those basics um will really 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 help a hundred percent i agree with that Okay, we've got 10 more mistakes that campers often make. Uh, We're going to come back in a second with Kat Berta from the Brattleboro North KOA journey. And I got that right, I think, right? You got it. Okay, uh, and we'll be back in a second, but we've got a sponsored message from our friends at RV SnapPad first. Meet the world's only permanent jackpad. 
RV snap pads attach permanently to your RV leveling jack so you don't have to carry around blocks of wood or plastic blocks to level your towable or motorized RV. Simply snap them on one at a time and you're all set. RV snap pads go on in seconds and provide a lifetime of stability on the road. They are built for wanderers, adventurers, and vacationers just like you. SnapPad also now makes non-permanent leveling accessories for plastic levelers and buckets. They make everything you need to have the best leveling experience possible in your RV. We added RV snap pads to our travel trailer two years ago and love their durability, design, and functionality. They also make setting up and breaking down camp faster and easier. Finally, SnapPad recently collaborated with Camco Manufacturing to release the most durable, rugged, and stable scissor jack stabilizer available today. Head over to rvsnappad.com and use their Submit Your Rig tool to answer a few quick questions, and they will find you the perfect set of snap pads for your towable or motorized RV. Join the RV SnapPad revolution today. To find out more, visit rvsnappad.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here again with Kat Berta from the Brattleboro North KOA Journey, which is one of the most adorable KOAs in the country. And we're working through 15 mistakes that campers make. Uh, and then Kat's sort of offering like the alternative, like how to do it right. So the sixth one has to do with weather. All right. So what mistake do you often see your campers make when it comes to weather? Well, you know, it's always good to be prepared for all options. Um, so you always want to check the weather the day before, because if you checked it a week ago, it's most likely going to change. We like to joke here in Vermont that if you don't like the weather now, just wait 15 minutes, she'll change it for you. Um, so it's always good to just check the night before pack that poncho and umbrella, even if it says sunny. We just had this past weekend where it said sunny, only 40% chance of rain. And then it rained for a good, like two hours. <laughs> so you and just that's don't like, know. You get those afternoon showers sometimes in new England that just sneak up on yeah. and they, like you're in the mountains. So sometimes they blow through quickly. And other times it seems like they get stuck there a little bit. Yeah. And we in particular are in the river Valley, so it can completely hit the mountains and miss us all together. Like you're saying, or it could take its time slithering through the river Valley. So, you know, it, it's fine. We love the weather, no matter what, there's always something to do. Uh, but it's just good to be prepared for that. If you like having it easy up tent, um, you know, I'll make sure when it's, if you see rain come in, make sure you, that is down. If it's going to be gusty, talk to your campground owner, your camp host, like they will be super familiar and up to date with what that incoming weather is going to look like and what weather looks like at their campground. So if we see severe thunderstorms coming, for example, we can be prone to microbursts in our area. So we will warn our campers ahead of time. Like if there is a storm like that coming in for today, like keep your awnings in. It is not worth potentially losing an awning. That is such a great point. And uh, again, to, to kind of make a larger point out of what you're saying, your campground owners are an incredible source of information during your stay. You know, the vast majority of KOAs are owned by people that are rooted in the community, not every single one, but most of them. And mm -hmm. you, you guys have very hyper-specific knowledge about the area. And even if somebody's already there at the campground and wants like, 
hey, like, I want to do this hike today. You know, like, what's the weather supposed to be like? What do you think? Is this a good idea? Like, I would go bother Kat and ask her about that, you know, in, in the camp store. Because, like, when we, when Sean and I were there, like, I was like, well, well, you know, where should we eat? And you and your info, your recommendations were precise. They were awesome, right? So always, you know, tap into that source of knowledge when you have a local owner. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have built itineraries to fill people, you know, weeks here. And then they're like, wow, I guess I need to come back because there's so much more to do and they didn't realize it. So talking to your owners really can make you experience the area just like we do. All right, number seven, and I'm going to have to confess that when I was a newbie camper, our first year of pop-up camper ownership, I made this mistake on a night that dipped into the upper 20s. So tell us about uh, propane, a common mistake you see. Yeah, so, you know, maybe you're coming camping in April to shake out the cobwebs for your first camping trip of the season. And it's going to be 30, 40 degrees that night. So you run your heat, but you forgot to check how much propane you had. Um, Really important, especially with cooler weather camping, that you head to your campground or fill uh, fill your propane before for or at your campground. Most KOAs fill propane, so that's super easy if you get to do it before your trip. Um, but I can't tell you how many times in April, when we, op- we open mid-April here, we open a lot earlier than a lot of uh, Vermont campgrounds, but people forget to fill their propane and they're calling me frantic at like 6 a.m. because they haven't had heat since three or four in the morning. Right, because so. I mean, during camp store hours, obviously, your guys are selling propane. But if somebody you know, if somebody comes in late at night or something like that, that's what happened to us. We got in too late. I realized I didn't have propane. The camp store was closed, and we had a really cold night in the pop up camper. I have been at your very campground in August, and I think it dropped into the forties at night. Right, like that. That's possible in New England. It is possible, especially when you're camping in higher elevations. Weather can be a little bit more unpredictable. That's why we say come prepared for anything. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was in the highs of 60s this past week and lows in the high 40s, low 50s. That can be cold, especially if you're coming up from Florida. And I think that newbies don't realize, too, you know, if you're a new RV owner, a cold night can use a lot of propane up, all right? Now, moving on to the eighth mistake. Again, it's all kind of tied into weather, really. Uh, This one's related to your camping wardrobe, right? So what mistake do you often see people make in terms of like their camping wardrobe? You know, they're not bringing enough layers. So the one thing that helps you stay warm is wearing the proper layers when you're camping, you know, just throwing on a jacket over your tank top won't necessarily keep you warm at night, but wearing all the different layers of gear to help insulate that heat in, um, you know, having the right sleeping bag at night, you know, all these things can help you. And then the nice thing is 
if it's hot during the day, like right now we're experiencing high 70 degree weather, um, you know, you can go down to your base tank top or base t-shirt, but tonight it's expected to be in the mid to low fifties. And that kind of drastic switch in temperature for some people, you're going to want to throw on two or three layers to stay warm and comfortable around your campfire. Stephanie's been a master at this over the years with herself and the kids and me, you know, and in the RV, it's easier to have everything as opposed to, you know, maybe in a tent where you're really trying to get everything into a duffel bag, but you need, you know, gear for rain, you need gear for cold, you need to have an outfit that works if it gets hot, you can experience all these different uh, temperatures on a hike, for goodness sake, not even just your camping trip, just from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain, you need to be thinking about layers. So that's a good, and you have great um, Brattleboro North apparel in the camp store, nice hoodies and whatnot. If somebody does not have warm clothing, right? Yeah. You forget your hoodie. I mean, especially at a KOA, most campgrounds will sell their favorite hoodie, long sleeve, short sleeve. So you can always get a basic at a campground store, especially at a KOA. All right. The ninth mistake. And this one, I, I wonder like, do you just kind of know people make this mistake? But it's a, it's a little probably hard to detect. It has to do with firewood. And this is, in a sense, one of the most important mistakes that we do not want to see campers making because it can actually lead to, not to be, not to exaggerate, it can lead to real environmental tragedy. Yeah, no, um, bringing camper, camp firewood across state lines uh, is a big no-no. It's actually illegal in most states to bring firewood from other states because of all the infestations that have spread because of moving firewood. Uh, We have family that works as an arborist for the state of Maine and um, has seen the damage that things like the ash borer beetle does. And so it's just really important to protect our natural resource. And it's so simple to buy wood at the campground that you're going to, or most grocery stores will sell kiln dried or local wood as well. So it really is something super simple to do. um, And it will really protect the forests all around us that we really love to camp in. We had someone suggest in the RV Atlas group on Facebook that this was something of like a conspiracy among campground owners to get people to buy their expensive firewood, which is ridiculous. And I'm really glad you just pointed out, okay, you can buy it at the camp store, but also you can buy it somewhere locally at a, at a gas station or something like that, where they're, they're selling it in greater volume and maybe have a better price than the camp store, for goodness sake. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not some kind of con to get people to buy your campground it really firewood. It really isn't. Yeah. And I mean, we sell our firewood for $7 a bundle right now. I mean, it's, I have been to campgrounds where it can be expensive and usually that's kiln dried firewood and kiln dried. The process is they put it pretty much in this giant oven and like bake the wood. Um, and so obviously that takes a lot of energy. So the wood just costs more, but it also guarantees that that wood is bug free, which is why you're allowed to travel with kiln dried wood across state lines. Um, But that process means the wood's going to be more expensive for the campground to buy. And if they're carrying kiln dried wood, you know, it's just more expensive for them. So then, unfortunately, it's more expensive for the camper. I've seen 14 a bundle at campgrounds. And that is actually another reason I love your campground. 
is that I feel like just in general, whether it's stuff in the gift shop or your per night price on sites, I feel like your pricing is very reasonable. And I and I very seriously mean this. Kudos to you guys for for keeping it reasonable. So seven bucks, I like that price. Yeah, I'll, me too. <laughs> I'll, buy, I'll buy my firewood from you when, next time I'm there. All right, so Perfect. the 10th mistake that you often see campers make, which this one's easily avoidable, is not storing their food correctly. And again, we're more in the land of tent camping, but it could also be somebody in a pop-up camper or a hybrid. So what mistake do you see people make there in terms of food storage? Yeah, so, you know, things like um, people's marshmallows, they don't like humidity. A lot of things don't like humidity. so. having a reusable uh, bag, like a stasher bag, or obviously you can reuse a Ziploc bag from home. That's also a great option um, to keep food dry and out of harm's way from little bugs as well, as well as humidity and rain keeping it all contains like that um, is really great. And then you know, having your utensils all stored properly so that you know where everything is you don't forget anything. I can't tell you how many people I've seen come in because their marshmallows all stuck together and it's like one giant marshmallow now. <laughs> That's happened. That it happens. Marshmallows like to stick together, for goodness sake. They do. They don't like water. <laughs> do, do you guys, let me ask you quite honestly. And I mean, I hate to ask, but I'm going to ask, like, do, do you have campers that litter that like leave trash on, at the campground, whether inadvertently or just carelessly? Do you guys feel like you're picking up people's trash? Micro trash is something we talk about here as campground owners um, to our staff as well. We're always on the hunt for like, for example, you open up your chocolate bar to make your s'more, right? And then you maybe just kind of put that little corner to the side and you throw the big wrapper away but where did that little corner of that wrapper go you know you probably forgot about it because you're enjoying your s'more that's the kind of trash that we are always picking up on sites or bottle caps you know maybe you just put it down in the little cup holder of your um, chair and when you fold your chair up, that bottle cap falls out. It's that kind of trash that we tend to pick up a lot of. You know who's um, so really good at that. You know who's really good at making micro trash? I think that children are oh, very, very yes. good at leaving micro trash all over they the place. They love their juice box straws, love to end up everywhere. And um candy wrap the the mini candies. They're, those wrappers, those are notorious. And, you know, uh, we do things at our campground like uh, flashlight candy hunt at night. Right. So that which convert- is so much fun. But yeah, the little mini candies, <laughs> those are everywhere. Well, I, I there's no shame in my game here complimenting your campground over and over again. You guys have a really clean campground. All right. We have got five more mistakes that campers often make with Cat Berta from the Brattleboro North KOA journey. Uh, But before we dive into those last five, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bears Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. 
Our family has been staying at Jellystone Park locations for 12 years. There are more than 75 Jellystone Park locations across the United States and Canada, and each one is unique, but our kids love them all because each Jellystone Park location has fun attractions like pools, water slides, splash grounds, mini golf, laser tag, and jumping pillows. Plus, there are tons of activities all day and all night long, such as foam parties, dance parties, wagon rides, tie-dye, and movie nights. They even have themed weekends like Chocolate Lovers Weekend, Christmas in July, and Halloween weekends in the fall. Of course, we can't forget the fun of hanging out with Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. And at Jellystone Park, you can stay in your RV or enjoy one of their awesome glamping accommodations as many of their locations offer luxury cabins, yurts, covered wagons, and more. Make Jellystone Park a part of your family's vacation in 2023 because it's not just a campground. It's a Jellystone Park. To learn more and to book your vacation today, visit JellystonePark.com. That's JellystonePark.com. And please, don't forget to tell Yogi Bear that Jeremy and Stephanie said hello. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Kat Berta, uh, co-owner of the Brattleboro North KOA Journey. We've got five more mistakes that campers often make, and Kat's off. Kat's also going to offer like some solutions or how to avoid making these mistakes. And I, I loved this article from Reader's Digest. You did such a great job with it. And I'm so thankful you're on the show talking about it. Number 11, you say that people often forget really basic cooking staples. Can you can you give us like an example? There was a really good example in the article. Honestly, things as simple as like a hot dog bun. Luckily, again, we carry it at our camp store. Not saying you have to buy everything at the camp store, but you know, you're grocery shopping and you're checking things off your list and you're like, oh, burgers, dogs, marshmallows, marshmallow sticks. But then maybe you forget and skip the bread aisle for some reason, something distracted you. But I can't tell you how often we see people just forget like one of those staples where it's marshmallows or the chocolate or the hot dog buns but they have the hot dogs or vice versa with the hamburgers um it's just really easy to forget something as small as that and it's just you want to make sure or they forgot it at home they have it and they just didn't pack it so just again i think we talk about this a lot but like checklists for things like you know opening and closing your RV, what you're packing, what's in your RV and what you need to replace in your RV food wise. Like those are the kind of checklists that are super helpful to a camper. I don't doubt that people are forgetting the basics like salt and pepper or whatever. I have another theory with the hot dog buns though. I feel like people <laughs> often have an uneven number of like hot dogs and buns. So like they have six hot dogs and four buns and then they run in and they have to buy a whole pack of buns from cat which then means they have too many hot dogs. It's this endless cycle. Then they have too many endless. hot dog buns and not enough hot dogs. And I feel like that is a conspiracy by both the hot dog yes. and the hot dog bun industry where the firewood thing is not a conspiracy. Okay. Agreed. Well, Alan really likes to put uh, pulled pork also in his hot dog buns, but that's a whole nother Ooh. story. That sounds good. Um, number 12, in terms of mistakes campers often make, and this is a really important one if you are a new RV owner or a new tent camper and you bring a dog camping. So tell us what you see in terms of common mistakes with dogs. Please keep your dogs leashed. <laughs> so important. Um, you know, I 
I don't doubt that people's dogs are friendly. They tell me all the time at check-in, we have a great dog. They're super friendly and that's awesome. But you never know how your dog is going to interact with other dogs and other people. So it's just really important to keep your dog on a six foot leash. Don't let them roam around the campground meeting random people. Most KOAs have dog parks that you can let your dog out loose, especially after their long travel day, like let them run wild in the dog park. But you know, don't let them wander to your neighbor's sites. And you also don't want to leave your dog unattended outside. That can be a problem as well. And, you know, just be super familiar with your dog. Um, If you think you're going to be leaving your dog unattended inside your RV, you know, talk to your neighbors, let the campground know so that we can help keep an eye out. Like if the power goes out, then we know we need to immediately call you so that you can come back to your animal and make sure that they're okay and that they aren't get stuck in an RV that's getting too hot, you know? I love that you just said that, that you would prefer somebody let you know that they're leaving their dog uh, so that you guys could be there to help if something like that happens. That is, that is awesome. I often feel like people make, I'm a dog owner. We have two dogs. I think that people often make the mistake though, of thinking that everyone wants to meet their dog and be licked by their dog. And some people just don't, they don't want to meet your dog. They don't want your dog to come up, you know? So I just, even if they're on the leash, there's still etiquette beyond that point. Um, 100%. All right. 13. We're hitting everything important here. Let's you've go. you've seen mistakes that campers make with uh, their campfires. Um, tell us what you're thinking there. Uh, you know, campfire. There's been a lot of droughts. You know, the past few years. Um, even here in Vermont, we can have a burn ban just because it's been extremely dry, or it's too windy, or you know the conditions just aren't right. So Smokey the Bear tells us, no, thank you to campfires. So it's just really important that you check in with your camp host or campground owner uh, the day you want to have a fire, especially if you the conditions seem a little on the edge, if there hasn't been a rain recently, especially out west. Obviously, they do a lot of burn bans out there. Uh, But it's just really important to be informed about how if you can have a fire and how to put it out properly. You know, it's good to just make sure you're refreshed on how to put out a fire properly. And Smokey Bear is the guy to go to. Just go online. Right. And just just Google Uh Smokey Bear. And that website still by the Ad Council still has all of the recommendations for properly putting out a campfire. Uh, Okay, so the 14th mistake that campers often make. and And sometimes this one's unavoidable, I think. Um, I agree. But um, it's about arriving after dark or after dusk. Um, what, what do you see happening there and how can it create tension or complaints or problems for you as a campground owner? Yeah. So really what it comes down to is when people come in really late at night, they leave their headlights on and they're slamming their doors, you know, really interrupting maybe someone's peaceful time around the campfire. Um as you know, Jeremy, our campground is known for being peaceful and quiet. And when someone comes in at like 10, 11 o'clock at night and they're setting up, uh, it can be quite noisy. So as much as we like to avoid that, obviously, it's um, not always avoidable. 
So it's good to let the campground know if you're going to be running pretty late. Sometimes they might be able to arrange it so you're on a site that's easier to get into. And that might be a little bit further away for guests that are already on site. So it's nice etiquette to inform a campground if you are going to be extremely late. Um, but I always say just do the best effort to try to arrive before quiet hours, at least. 12 years of RVing, and I never thought of that point you just made, that, that you call the campground, hey, let them know, sorry, but we're coming in at midnight, and maybe they can put you somewhere where you're not right next to people. And to your point, too, if you have to show up late, which a lot of us traveling in RVs or stopping overnight, it happens to all of us, but you don't have to have your lights blasting into somebody's tent. What I would do is also not unhitch, right? I just wouldn't unhitch the RV. Right. I'd do it in the morning because I knew I'd make all kinds of noise unhitching. So it's being as quiet as you can and, and just and, and not, you know, trying not to wake people up as much as possible. Because that exactly. comes back to get you, right? That comes back to get you with complaints in the morning from campers. Yeah. Or just, you know, someone can call me at midnight. They'd be like, someone's just slamming in and out of their camper or their car or truck or whatever it is. And, you know, if you're waking someone up at midnight, I'm definitely probably going to hear about it. <laughs> On my tent camping trip last week at North South Lake in New York State public campground, I woke up at one o'clock in the morning in my tent from a deep sleep to the sound of about six air mattresses being blown up one at a time by people who had just arrived in the next site. Yeah. It was really, really loud. Um, yeah, we just I just want to try to avoid that. <laughs> exactly. All right. So this has been awesome. The last mistake, and this is another one like cutting through sites. This is another one where people just RVers, tent campers, people complain so much about this. And that has to do with noise and quiet hours. So tell us the mistake that campers often make and, and the easy solution to avoid it. Uh, quiet hours. So we uh, pride ourselves on having pretty strict quiet hours. And we're not telling you to go to bed at 10 o'clock. You know, we're not saying you got to pack it up and head to sleep. It's just be respectful of the campers all around you. So we require all outdoor speakers are off during quiet hours, you know, bring your voice level down to more like inside, you know, relaxing tone, <laughs> you know, um, and try just not to be super, rambunctious uh or after quiet hours you know people aren't always running on your schedule some people still like i my in-laws uh my father-in-law really likes to go to bed early and he will let me know <laughs> if someone is not abiding by quiet hours father-in-laws always so. do or you could go to the <laughs> game room okay and not be super loud but probably have a normal conversation because you're inside and you probably you won't bother somebody right next door or if you're sitting around the campfire and you're yapping at midnight, for goodness sake, uh, that's going to bother people. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. out of all 15 of these, like, is there one that has caused you the most stress? Is there one that really like, I'm a campground owner and this drives me crazy? Or is it just sort of all of them together and, and the little bugaboos that you have to deal with yeah. every day? Well, there's one thing that didn't make it into this article. And it was actually um, speed limit. Oh, yeah, that's big. That's a safety issue. Yeah. And so our speed limit is five miles per hour. That, and and that's know. what it should be. It's so slow. But kids do not define the roads the same in campgrounds. You know, um, they kind of have a little bit more freedom. 
they dart out behind cars to chase a wiffle ball, right? That's the thing is that a kid can just just come out of nowhere and all of a sudden be in the road. And you can say all you want. Well, they shouldn't do that. But they're kids and they do that. And it's on you as the driver. Exactly. And I wish that made it into this article. Unfortunately, it did it. But I'm glad we got to talk about it right now. That would be one of my number one things is speeding in a campground. I know it can be difficult to like stay at that slow speed, but it's just so important for everyone's safety. And also one other thing, most campgrounds don't have paved roads and it can also create a ton of dust if it's like a dry time, like in July or something like that. Like you can keep the dust down. So just think about the air will be better, the safety of the children. It's just a better experience. And why are you in a rush? You're camping. Oh my gosh, exactly. Kat, this has been wonderful. We're going to come back in a second to wrap up the show. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Blackstone. The sound of bacon or burgers and steaks sizzling is the sound that you crave this summer. Blackstone is the original flat top griddle with more than 9 million griddles sold. Blackstone is the way that America cooks in the great outdoors. You can cook everything you can on a traditional grill and a thousand things you can't. Want an incredible breakfast? How about lunch or dinner? The solid steel flat top infuses the flavors. Pick the size and style that's right for your next camping trip. The 17-inch and 22-inch griddles are easy to store in your RV and still have the space to feed the hungriest army. There's even a portable Blackstone with an air fryer built in. Talk about variety. With Blackstone, you can cook anything, anytime, anywhere. They even make a portable pizza oven that you can bring camping. For outdoor cooking fun and flavor that you can't find anywhere else, go wherever griddles are sold or head on over to blackstoneproducts.com. And remember, if it's not a Blackstone, it's not a griddle. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Kat Berta from the Brattleboro North KOA Journey in in beautiful southern Vermont. It's an adorable campground. I've been there four or five times. I've been there before Kat and Alan owned it. I've been there since. And they've been making great improvements. Give us everybody just like the basic rundown of what you guys offer in terms of like RV sites, cabins, uh, and, and amenities, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. So we have a ton of full hookup RV sites. Most of them are 50, 30 amp, but uh, we also have a handful of just water electric sites. If that's all you need, you're just spending one night. I totally get it. We have a few tent sites, uh, one with a beautiful lean to, and we've been renovating our beautiful cottages. I'm sure you remember remember these, Jeremy. Um, they were actually built back in the 40s and we have been putting our all our love into them recently and they are just beautiful now. So definitely check us out on our website at brattleboroKOA.com to see all the updates that we've been doing over there. And we have a brand new cabin. I know I mentioned it earlier, but I'm just obsessed with our little chipmunk hideout. It is the best cabin. I love it. And one of my favorite features is that you can walk right next door, like literally steps away. And is it called Walker Farm? Walker Farm. Oh, how could I forget? It's like one of the best amenities that I don't even own is this beautiful organic farm next door, which has everything you could need. Um, You know, they have artisanal breads, they have beautiful heirloom tomatoes, or if you want to decorate your site, you can get uh, some fresh cut flowers uh, over there. And you then you can enjoy our beautiful swimming pool uh, after you've 
had a beautiful lunch made from stuff at the Walker farm. Nothing better. Really a beautiful day. If you turn left out of your campground, you're, I don't know, are you 10 minutes from downtown Brattleboro? You're, it's really close. Door to the edge of downtown Brattleboro is about 12 minutes total. So um, yeah, it's really close. And then if you take a right out of our campground, it's the beautiful town of Putney with some of my favorite dining places over there. I think, uh, I don't know if you've been over to the Putney Diner. but Oh, it's I've been to the Putney Diner. Yeah. And we hiked Mount Putney, which is a great hike. There you go. Oh, beautiful hike. That summit is not, that summit hike is not too difficult with some great payoff. And is Curtis Barbecue back again in the blue school bus? Are they still around? So it looks like they're looking to come back again for July. So I think we're going to get another season out of them. Super excited. And I will say you could, Vermont's a beautiful state. Uh, Vermont is one of the great, states for camping in america um you could spend a week at your campground there, there's a lot to Easy. do there's a lot to do in the area and cat is the person to guide you to all the best hikes all the best things to do so thank thank you so much for coming on and giving us this run through of your reader's digest article i really appreciate it i'm excited to watch uh your spectacular career unfold in the camping space i feel like you're just getting started here Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. And I can't wait to chat again next year. Yes, we will definitely do it next year. I'd start thinking of an awesome topic or I'll just like steal the topic from some like viral article that you that you did <laughs> online. All right, thank good. you. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you at your campground soon. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to thervatlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we will see you at the campground. See you at the campground.